Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Bruiser. You both in Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast, the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. So, Austin, Mm -hmm. we just had our Mm -hmm. retrospective episode. Yes, we did. We went over all the the movies that we were going to go over the rest of the year. So people should know. But if they don't remember, or if they haven't listened to that episode, which I recommend you do, what movie are we talking about today? Today we are going to be talking about 2010's Scott Pilgrim versus the World, directed by Edgar Wright. Have you actually read the comics that this movie is based on? I did not get far. Wait, so you started it? I started it, but it was not my thing. I just didn't vibe with it as much. Really? Why? Just the was it the drawings, the or was it the actual story? I don't remember really. I just didn't. I just remember not being into it as much as I was into this movie. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. No. It it does. Well. So okay. That that's gonna be my follow up question. Do you like this movie? I do like this movie, but I think I like the reason I like love it is because it's an Edgar Wright movie, mm-hmm. and I think maybe what was missing from the novel for me or the graphic novel for me was the Edgar Wright style. Oh. Does that make sense? No, no, no. It, it totally does. It, it makes a lot of sense because I, I haven't read the comic. Uh, I've only seen the movie and I haven't even played the video game as well. So my only, my only real re- relationship with the, with the Scott Pilgrim property is the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But Edgar Wright has such a unique style, such a present style that like, yeah, it totally makes sense. Like, oh, Edgar Wright is directing this movie. People can already think, oh, okay, yeah, I could kind of see him doing this, doing that. It's kind of like when you have Wes Anderson's name on a film project. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you immediately think of his traits and yeah, things being in the center of the of the screen. <laughs> yeah. And you heard and you saw that oh, Edgar Wright made this film. You kind of already imagined what he was going to do with it and you you like him a lot and yes, you like he was one he... of my top three directors in the game from the last episode he was and that totally makes sense like you have a you have a director who just imbues a property with their style and it works how big of an edgar wright fan are you uh i think i've seen yeah i've seen all his movies i think i haven't seen spaced yet but i i imagine i will that was the TV show with um, yes. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost okay. and a bunch of others. What's your favorite Edgar Wright film? Oof, that's a hard one. Um, gun, to, gun to your head. You have to pick one. Gun to my head. Gun to your head. Probably Hot Fuzz. Really? Okay. I think so. Hot Fuzz, The World's End, um, Shaun of the Dead, Baby Driver. Scott Pilgrim might be my least favorite, but I still like it, you know? Fair enough. Hot Fuzz is your favorite film. I think so. I think it's the one that I I uh, watched over and over again the most compared to his other ones. 
I'm going to just be honest. I've never seen Hot Fuzz. I think you would really enjoy it. <laughs> From what I've seen, I think I would. And yet, I don't know why I haven't gotten around to it. But oh, man, that makes me want to do a Hot Fuzz episode. We might. <laughs> we might need to, man. I think might. I've had a weird relationship with Edgar Wright because I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. For example, I've never seen Hot Fuzz. Uh, I really like Scott Pilgrim. I like The World's End. At The World's End or At World's End? The World's End. The World's End. I like that one. I think Shaun of the Dead is cool. <laughs> I, the reason I say oh. cool is the, the first time I watched it, I fell asleep. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just because I was tired or really exhausted or something. Maybe I just wasn't mm-hmm. in the mood, but I watched it and I fell asleep. And then I only watched the second half the second time like i didn't watch the entire film so i haven't seen Shaun of the dead complete in one sitting so hmm. i like edgar Wright. i'm not i don't want i'm not talking shit i like scott program too but it's one of those he's one of those directors where i'm like oh i i'm excited and i like him but i i i think we're at different levels you and i it seems like you're very much I th- like i he's in your top three working directors yeah i think also what helps me like him is that he seems like a friendly person like in real life, he seems cool. Like he seems like a yeah. giant nerd, and I appreciate that. I remember seeing him because uh, I was with one of one of our mutual friends, Henry, who's also been a guest on this podcast. Uh, he invited me to go see It Follows, and he told me that Edgar Wright was presenting it, and he's going to do a Q and A afterwards. I had no idea what the movie was about, but just because he was there, I went. And then afterwards, people are like trying to get him to sign his like. They're like Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead DVDs. And he's like, sorry, guys, I have to go. And it seems like a normal guy who's like got stuff to do, you know, but he he went out of his way to like introduce this movie from a small time direct, smaller time director uh, and had like a conversation about it afterwards. And I liked the things that he had to say. And then another time I saw him um, and he was just like laughing at like a dumb joke. And I'm like, that that guy seems cool. All right, that th- he seems like a very he seems like a really cool guy, and one of the things I like about him is that he seems like a giant nerd, especially when it comes to films. Edgar Wright, the impression that I get from him is that he's a huge cinephile, like he's a huge film fan. I was actually yeah, I watched Memories of Murder, the Bong Joon Ho film, mm-hmm. uh, in theaters recently it, during like during the past year, and there was a special preview where Bong was speaking with Edgar Wright. And Edgar oh. Wright, yeah, Edgar Wright had like this whole wall of DVD Blu-rays behind him. And he was like talking about the film very deeply. And I was, it made me like Edgar Wright even more. Not to say I didn't like him, but it was just like, wow, this is a guy who really knows his stuff. Seems really cool, really passionate. I like that. Mm-hmm. And yet, for some reason, I'm not like in love with him. Like he is not in my top three working directors. Mm. My favorite film by him is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And oh okay. This is my favorite film by him, and I and I I like I like I like all of his films or the ones that I have seen, but I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I love them. Like I know people love Shaun of the Dead. They're like, oh my god, it's one of the best zombie movies of all time. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Twenty eight week later for me is pretty high up there. But I don't, I don't know about Shaun of the Dead, but that's just me. I don't know. I've mm. always had a weird. That's why I say I have a weird relationship with Edgar Wright because well, I like I, the man. I th- Edgar Wright, uh, he made like the comedy horror genre, like he made it good again, I guess. And the, the, I, th- I think that's like people's like, oh, 
Shaun of the Shaun of the Dead is is like what people think of when they think of comedy horror, mm-hmm. and not Scream anymore because I think I don't know why Scream is great too, but I've actually never seen Scream either. It's different now because of like you've probably seen Scary Movie. Yeah. So people would, I think people think that Scream is like a horror movie, but it's not really. It's like a comedy horror. It's, it's well, like a it's... satire of the slasher genre and i think that kind of goes over people's heads but Shaun of the dead like you know it's a comedy horror mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's it's really interesting because i remember because Shaun of the dead came out in like 2005 i believe mm-hmm. or around that time and it was such a big thing it, 2005 i was in paramount and i think moved in 2005 2001 third grade no 2004 okay so i was it was like in middle school elementary school still and yet Mm. i remember a bunch of kids talking about this movie Shaun of the dead and (laughs) i'm like hold on why are you guys watching horror stuff like why are you guys watching scary stuff because i was i was scared of horror films and they're like wow yeah that's right it's really funny and i'm like i don't understand how something scary could be funny like i don't i didn't understand that concept Mm-hmm. And I've always had that kind of idea about Shaun of the Dead. And so that's when I really started going into the world of Edgar Wright. And it and Scott Pilgrim is actually the first film I watched by him. And this movie oh, came wow. out in 2010. And it's all about like video games and stuff. So it probably went spoke to you. It, it, exactly. It resonated way more with me because I watched the trailer and you have like the one up. Uh, you have all these references mm-hmm. and stuff. It's really cartoony and goofy. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I dug it, man. I loved it. And I was like, all right, I got to, I got to, r- number one, rewatch the film. And I kind of have to go in a little bit more and more. Then I watched Shaun of the Dead. Uh, a few years later, I watched, or for a, a while later, I watched um, At World's End, or The World's End, and then Baby Driver recently. So I got to get through Fahafas, but. Hot yeah. Fuzz is, I think that Hot Fuzz is the only one with like a happy ending compared to the rest of them. Because all, all of these movies, like a Scott Pilgrim is, no, Scott kind Pilgrim of, has is a happy, happy ending, ending too. Yeah. But the rest of his movies have a kind of like bittersweet sting to it. You know? Yeah. Well, The World's End had a, a huge ending for me. Like I saw yeah. that and because you watch that movie and you're like, oh, I kind of imagine, I kind of guess how this movie's going to end. And then it. Well, I, it tells you exactly how it's going to end within the first five minutes. At World's End? The, the World's yes. End? Yeah. How? Watch the, ha, oh my God. If you watch The World's End, that whole sequence, that flashback sequence mm-hmm. is basically what happens in the movie. Oh, I never even drew the connection. It's it's like uh, Midsummer, where like if you look <laughs> yeah, at the uh-huh. background, you can see like the plot of the movie. The same thing in yeah, The okay. World's End. Oh shit! Okay, I need to rewatch it then. <laughs> like he's a very visual director, so if you're not like paying attention to the screen, you're gonna miss stuff. Edgar Wright, even, a- absolutely. Yeah, a lot of his it's a lot of like funny, silly stuff, but I I feel like he's a much He's got a lot of depth to him. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely agree. I mean, any of these, it's funny because you take the story of any, you take the story of any of these, of, of these films and you put them in another director's hand, you lose a lot. You, you potentially might lose a lot. You lose the visual storytelling that he brings in. And you also mm-hmm. bring some of the, the quirkiness, right? Some of the cringe, 
of, of something mm-hmm. like because he he's British. So he's got that British humor like in him. Right. You lose yeah. some of that humor and you'll probably also lose some of the heart and uh, bitterness from some of his stories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Shaun of the Dead. Funny, but, you know, it ends pretty tragically at the world's end. Yeah, under another director, under another director, that movie would have ended completely different. And this this guy just went left field, and he said, "Oh, yeah. you think it's gonna end this way? But no, we are going, we're we're going left." I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but it is yeah. a wild it, ending. It's a, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really good movie, and I I just, it's unfortunate that it came out the same year that the one with all the famous people in this it. This is the end. Came out. That, yeah, because this, this is the end. Is just like look at all these famous people do like crazy outrageous things. It's sausage party. Well, but, my my problem with this is the end is a problem that I've had with a lot of American comedies is that you you take these funny people because look every actor in this is the end is funny all of mm-hmm. them like I really can't think of anyone in that film who isn't funny. They're all good performers. They're all great comedians. The problem with this is the end though is that it's. And it's they're all improving all the time. Every fucking scene is an improv scene. And like the the 2016 Ghostbusters did that. Any Paul Feige or Fate film, I don't know how to say his name. Paul Fee film is like improv. Like those are all his films. They just improv. They just throw actors. And it's like, all right, do something funny. And that was this is the end to a T. I'm like, okay, this is a funny concept. They're playing themselves, but like a, a super messed up version. And it's just constant improv. I miss the days where they wrote jokes and like, you know, like <laughs> Frasier and stuff where it's like, hey, Frasier. we're being clever. But it's like, oh, it, oh, my God. There's that scene in This is the End where Shia or um, the Shia, um, Jonah Hill has the gun and he's pretending to shoot himself. Oh, my God, I'm shooting myself. And it's funny the first few times he does it. But then they just keep going with it. God. Ah. <sighs> Sorry, that was my little rant. But that's the cool <laughs> thing. That's the cool thing about Edgar Wright. It's he actually has jokes like that are planned out, that are performed, and it's they're like, visual too. They're visual so you have too. to like watch the movie to get it. Edgar Wright is not a movie in the background director. No. Well, the thing about Edgar Wright is that he's switching up gags very quickly. So if you miss a gag, it's okay because you're gonna catch another one pretty soon, and he'll mix it up. And he'll go from uh from a from a joke gag to like to a, like a written written gag to something visual uh to something musically and he switches this up and his his movies are funny because they're just constantly switching and it's one joke after the other after the other and they're really well executed they're well thought out and that's what makes him stand out for me so we've talked a lot about or we've talked a bit about Edgar Wright and his films but let's talk about Scott Pilgrim because that's what we're watching today. We yes, it sounds like we're gonna have to do another episode on like Sean of it in particular. But Scott yeah. Pilgrim is my favorite film. It's your least favorite, uh, yes. Edgar Wright film. Let's talk some of the details. This movie came out in 2010. It's directed by Edgar Wright. It's got Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Culkin. Um, Anna Kendrick, Alison Pill, Audrey Plaza, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, it's got a pretty good cast. Oh, Chris and Evans is in it. Chris Evans, Brie Larson. You got Bri- you got oh. some of the Marvel cast. In here. Oh, uh, you also have some some from the DC TV universe. Brandon Roth. 
Oh, and and Superman. He was Superman too. Yeah, he was Superman. <laughs> so this I think very- he was Superman like just before this movie. So his scene is like, "Hey, it's Superman as as like a super vegan." <laughs> that okay, okay. Oh, Thomas Jane is in this as part as the vegan police, the Punisher. Oh, yeah. So this movie is the cast alone is very nerdy, very nerdy, which is up my alley. This is great casting. Mm-hmm. Came out in 2010. Uh, the the film was made on a budget of 60 million to 85 million, right? That's the production budget. Marketing's obviously more than that. And this film is notorious for being a flop. It didn't make it make did it. It did not make up its budget. Um, it only made 50 million in the yeah. long haul. It was only a 60, I thought it was like an 80 million dollar budget. Well, it says 60 million to 85 million. Hmm. So it's it's hard to tell, but it could be 85 million. It's that's not good. That is not good. It's funny because you you shared with me a while ago a tweet that you sent me that was very it's very eye-opening. It was about how if Speed Racer and Scott Pilgrim had both done well in the box office, that the box office from today would be very different. Yeah. Because now it's Marvel film, DC film, Ryan Reynolds film. But but Speed Racer and Scott Pilgrim, yes, they're based on stuff, but they're really good films. But they both failed, like, financially. Yeah, they, they had very distinct visual styles that were, like, if you wa- you're watching part of it, you're like, oh, it's, it's uh, Speed Racer. Oh, it's Scott Pilgrim. Like, there's not one scene where it's, like, you can get it confused for another movie. No, you can't even. And that's the funny thing. They have their own style that makes them very, dis- that you could distinguish immediately. And yet audiences just did not fuck with these films. They did not. And no, yet they did not. Scott Pilgrim has grown to have a huge cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, People love this movie. People constantly reference it. They've brought it back in theaters multiple times. The 4K Blu-ray ju- was just released. They had it in theaters as well. They just released Brie Larson's actual cover of the song, uh, Black Sheep, in Black the film. Sheep. And 11 years later, I think it's still going pretty strong. And I think it's just going to get stronger. Because I think Scott Pilgrim is a very n- recognizable name. You know, Even if you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim, you, you, you've heard of the name. Yeah, or you've probably heard the TikToks. Because they, they take the, the scene when Knives draw, dyes her hair and they put it on like a bunch of TikToks. I've seen t- multiple TikToks with referencing <laughs> the movie where he jumped or in memes too. He pushed like, a highlight out of her hair. <laughs> <laughs> when when Knives goes, goes to the apartment and he's like, he just left as he's jumping out the window. Yeah. Like this movie has just been ingrained in our meme culture. Right, mm-hmm. so that's how that tells you already how much people love it. Austin, do you have the box office from this year? I do. All right, so the top ten movies at the domestic box office are number one, Avatar, the James Cameron Blue People. Oh shit! This was <laughs> Avatar year. I think Avatar was in twenty two thousand nine, but it came out in December. So it made all its money in 2010. Okay, okay. Number two, Toy Story 3. Number three, Alice in Wonderland. Number four, Iron Man 2. Number five, 
The Twilight Saga, Eclipse. Number six, Inception. Number seven, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. Number eight, Despicable Me. Number nine, Shrek Forever After. And the number 10 was How to Train Your Dragon. Man, okay. DreamWorks had a year. Huh? Yeah, for reals. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Shrek. Uh, Disney. I mean, yeah, obviously Disney. Disney's always gonna have yeah. a good year. Um, I totally forgot about Avatar. Of, You're not of, alone. Of all those <laughs> films, no, I, I was gonna say of all those films, the most forgettable one is Avatar. But actually, it's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, uh, I never, I never saw that one. That movie sucks. <laughs> I never saw the Twilight movie either, uh, and I never saw Shrek either. The I don't think I've seen a Shrek since three. Yeah, actually, neither have I. I've never seen three or four. I'd I'd much rather give it a chance than rewatching Alice in Wonderland. God damn, Tim Burton went downhill, bro. <laughs> also coming out this year, uh, the Karate Kid remake. Oh, with Jaden Jaden Smith. Mm-hmm. Tangled, Mega Mind, The Other Guys, Tron Legacy, Ooh. The Expendables, Ooh. The Social Network, Ooh. and Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> <laughs> the movie that inspired a meme yeah uh, so like of this list of all these movies domestic releases scott pilgrim is number 96 <sighs> Shit. below below she's out of my league and above charlie st cloud oh what was the first one again number one no, no, no. What was the, the one before Scott Pilgrim? Oh, She's Out of My League. Ugh. And then Charlie St. Cloud with Zac Efron. Yeah. Damn, which is a shame because I would not put this movie anywhere near that company. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if anything, i choose this movie over most of the top 10 films of that year. Alice in Wonderland? What, what are you doing up there? Put Scott <laughs> Pilgrim up there. Nobody talks about <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Nobody talks about that movie. Nobody, th- nobody not talks that about- version of the movie. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Nobody talks about Shrek Forever After. Despicable Me is so cool. I I really like Despicable Me actually. Of course you would. I do, man. But I, I like it. But I think Megamind's a better movie. But that's besides the point. That's besides the point. <laughs> but okay, so yeah, Scott Pilgrim had no chance at ever even getting to the top ten though, because all all of those are really deeply established properties. Do you know what I mean? Yes, um, they're oh, like who recognizes the Scott Pilgrim graphic novel? I don't. Not very many people. It's a niche audience compared to compared to Alice in Wonderland, Iron Man, or two. Iron Man. You yeah, know, exactly. uh, or Harry Potter. Harry Potter, the beginning yeah. of the end. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, there's there's no way that this movie really had a fair chance, and it was released in, in August and the, the summer. Yeah. In August, dude, like when all these big hit movies were dropping, like there's no chance. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a damn shame. Did you see this movie in theaters? I did not. And I was part of the problem. I, yeah. Should, yeah. Should watch yeah. You like to, to post stuff about if you guys didn't see this movie in theaters then you're part of the problem. Yeah. Well, that was Mel 11 George. years ago, Austin. <laughs> I, I yeah. well, OK, here's the thing. You totally didn't watch Black Widow in theaters. We're totally not watching Suicide Squad tomorrow. Exactly. Exa- well, ex- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I I have always been very much like this is back in 2010. I was in high school. Do you know how I got my money back in high school? Mm-hmm. I did. How'd I recycled cans, dude. 
That was my that was my allowance. Uh, Mexican parents don't believe in allowances. <laughs> Fair so, enough. I wish I had seen this in theaters though. Because it just seems like a movie that an audience would enjoy, you know, if you if you understand the references, if you're okay with video game references. Because if you if my mom was in that theater, she'd fucking hate this film. I don't yeah. think she's ever seen Scott Pilgrim. She knows it's of all- the name. I don't think she'd like it. It's also kind of a weird movie because it doesn't tell you they're in a video game world. You just kind of like, whoa, that guy just died and turned into coins. What? It's it's very like in this world that's kind of weird. That slowly but transforms you, into a video game. Yeah, but it, it's kind of like that, like throughout the whole thing. There's no like introduction to it. Like, oh, here are the rules to this world. Mm-mm. It's like you're just supposed to know, <laughs> well, it, which I think can be a little off putting for people. I think if you're not in it, if you don't understand it, if you don't get with that idea, it might definitely alienate you because it doesn't. It slowly it slowly becomes into a video game where at the very end he dies and he revives Mm -hmm. because he has a one up. And during a during a battle of the bands, there's like these two giant clouds, monsters fighting each other. It's like, what the hell is happening? Even though it's awesome. I could definitely see someone who's not in who's not interested in this being like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, I no. did see this movie in theaters. I remember I remember like afterwards playing Team Fortress 2 with people and we were talking about the movie. And then one guy, he's like pops in is like, oh, that movie, that movie's never going to make its money back. Ha ha. And I'm like, what the hell? Why does that have what does that have to do with us enjoying the movie? Whether or not it makes its money back. You know, and it, some somebody else tweeted about this movie at around the same time. Uh, Seth MacFarlane. Oh, he oh, tweeted about, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And I've I remember seeing that and just being pissed off at Seth MacFarlane. And ever since then, I've kind of like, you know, I've had like a have for some reason, I just don't like the guy. And I think it's because of this tweet. <laughs> this what was the tweet? Can you read it out? Like, because I remember reading it. And it was a dickish tweet. It was something about it not making its money back. Yeah, it was the tweet was Scott Pilgrim Zero The World 2 or something. Yeah, dude, what a fucking dick move. I liked it because eventually he kind of got his comeuppance when he hosted the Oscars and he did that song with We Want to See Your Boobs. If that makes you feel better. Do you remember that song? I remember that. And I remember... uh, So when... Edgar Wright actually talked about that tweet and he he got mad at Seth Seth MacFarlane too and then he was he's have a quote from him he said uh I was like fuck you and then I lay in wait until a million ways to die in the west came out or whatever it was called and I rubbed my hands with glee but I didn't tweet anything because I'm not a monster (laughs) (laughs) yo that's what I'm talking about yeah yeah fuck that dude People who like openly just talk shit about a good film, like films that are trying to do something. It's just like, what do you there's a difference between talking shit about Scott Pilgrim and talking shit about Suicide Squad. Don't at me that there is a difference. Well, the the thing with the the how they're making fun of it, though, it's yeah. like this is bad because it's not making its money back. Yeah. Is that why it's bad? Does that mean the, the film is bad? Maybe it's a financial failure, but that's not how we judge films right in that case like blade runner is bad yeah and suicide squad is really really good because it made so much money hey hey austin suicide squad has an oscar 
Scott Pilgrim That's versus true. the World does not have an Oscar. So that means Scott Pilgrim fucking sucks. And Suicide <laughs> Squad is an Academy Award winning film. So it is good. Listeners, if you're going to get anything out of this episode, it's that. Suicide Squad is a good <laughs> film because it won an Oscar. But it's it's more than just about whether... We talk about more than whether or not movies are good or bad. We talk about how they affect us now. Yeah. Because we're going to rewatch Scott Pilgrim. And we're going to see whether or not it holds up in our eyes. You know, I have different tastes than George. And I'm sure the listeners have different tastes than both of us. So, Well, it's interesting. We'll... Because it's your least favorite Edgar Wright film. Maybe you might end up liking it more. Uh, maybe it might top another film. This is my most favorite uh edgar wright film but having seen more films from him since then it might actually go lower so who knows we'll see we're also going to have a guest on for this next part of the episodes uh my cousin adrian who watched this movie and it left an impression on her so that when i told her what movies we were gonna do she was like i want to do that one that one sounds cool and she's been doing some research about it too, so she'll maybe she'll surprise us with some stuff. I'm ready, man. Adrian's dope. This movie's dope. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. See ya in a minute. You know everyone, right? Yeah, pretty much I do. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. Hey. She's a little hardcore. What? Scott, I forbid you from hitting on Ramona. Hey, what's up? Am I dreaming? If we're gonna date, date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. Scott! 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 Scott Pilgrim. We need to play now and loud. Sounds like someone wants to get. Let's do this. Funky. Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. This is happening, right? Uh huh. Amazing. Garlic bread is my favorite food. I could honestly eat it for every meal. You get fat. No, why would I get fat? Bread makes you fat. Bread makes you fat? Okay, I'm jealous. Sorry, you were saying about me? Hello, everybody. We are back from watching Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, directed by Edgar Wright. And... We are joined by Adrian, my cousin. Hello, my name How is doing, Adrian. Adrian. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Chilling. Doing good. Good. Uh, so you really wanted to talk about this movie, right? Yes, I did. Yes. What was, how were you introduced to this movie? I was first introduced to this movie by actually your brother and sister, my cousins. We were just chilling around, hanging around the living room, and then we started to watch this movie together. And I was like maybe 12 or 13 at the time. And I just remember really liking the movie. So when I found out that you guys were doing it, I wanted to be a part of that too. Awesome. And you, so we all just rewatched the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what, did, what did you guys think? Go for it, Adrian. Start us off. Well, it was very interesting revisiting it actually. Uh, there were some things that I really didn't like, and there were some things that I thought that still hold up and were pretty awesome. Yeah, but that's just like my general thing about the movie. So overall, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, pretty much. Probably. Yeah. I just okay. So I just finished watching this, like, <laughs> like, like uh, even a few minutes before recording. 
Like 20 minutes ago, I finished <laughs> oh watching the film. Yeah, I, I had seen this movie in the past. Like, this is probably my fifth time, fourth time watching it. Oh, wow. So this was really just a refresher, right? Mm. Just Because the last time I saw it was um, 2017, 2016. So I love this movie and I loved it back then. And honestly, I still love it now. There's so much energy in this movie that it kind of just gets me like it, it just puts me in a positive mood you know yeah. uh there are some things that haven't aged pretty well we'll we'll talk about that but overall i love i love the movie i love the message i love the action i love um how you know you have the mini boss battles and how they're kind of all different but still really all exciting there's a lot to love there's a lot to love in this movie and it was funny because when uh when this movie bombed at the box office Right. Edgar Wright said that one of the nicest emails he'd gotten was from someone at the studio who said who sent out who sent Edgar a three word email. Days, not years. No, no. Years, not days. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was uh, the the quote years, not days, meaning that this movie was going to have a bigger impact in the coming years, not in the coming days of the opening of the opening weekend. That's interesting. I agree. I think there are a lot of great things about this movie that still hold up really well and overall i still love it and i still think i need to rewatch his other films but i still think this is my favorite edgar wright film tentatively okay um yeah i i still really love this movie um there's there's some stuff that doesn't hold up very well i think kind of conceptually like in the beginning with him like dating a high schooler being 22 years old it's kind of icky yeah and i think that that's a uh, once the movie gets going like i it doesn't really bother me anymore because 22 isn't i don't know if it's that that much older and it's michael sarah and it's a movie so it's like she's not 17 you know in in the no, she's like actually actual actress. older than him in, uh, in that time of that movie. Oh, wait, yeah. the actress? It's... Yeah, she's older than him. <laughs> no way. Yes. Woo! And they made her 17? Oh, and my they God. made her 17. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. It, it's something that, like, it's also, it's, it reminds me of Dirty Dancing. How, like, I saw that for the first time maybe, like, a, <gasps> two, three years ago. And, like, you know that she's supposed to be, like, 16 or something, and you don't really know how old Patrick Swayze's supposed to be. So I think watching it now, it's kind of like, it's, it's like, uh, you feel uncomfortable with it, but there's just so much more to this, to this movie and to Dirty Dancing. But. Well, we will be talking about Dirty Dancing in the coming weeks. I think yeah. uh, in, in the next two or three episodes, we're going to be talking about Dirty Dancing. So we will come back to this, this topic in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um... See, but there's so much to love about this movie. Like the way that they shoot the action scenes, the the high energy, like all the little details with like the sound and yes. stuff. Yeah. The the performances. They're so good in this movie. Yeah. They're so funny. Everyone. And and comedy, I think, has at least for me, diminishing returns. Like the more I watch a comedy, the less funny I think it is, the less I laugh at the jokes, but I was still laughing at like all the little things in this movie. I think like one one line in particular I had to like go back and watch twice <laughs> when 
Lucas Lee's stuntmen are like starting to fight Scott Pilgrim. And he's like, he's good, right? Sometimes I let him do the wides when I want to get blazed in the back of my Winnie. (laughs) 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 And just the way he delivers that line is so funny to me. I had to watch it twice. You're not wrong. I had to. I had to. This is a this is a little under two hours movie. This movie took me two and a half hours to watch just because I kept like rewinding fight scenes and rewinding yes, uh, yes. certain lines. And there's a lot to pick up on. This movie is very loaded with jokes and stuff. It's you'll hear people say like, man, this thing is so funny. You have to watch it multiple times and you'll get all the jokes. And I and think I've- this movie is a very clear definition of that. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's like one of the reasons why I still really enjoy and love this movie. Just like, I feel like every time I watch it, I always find something a little different about it that they put in there like so subtly or not subtle at all. And I didn't realize it before. Uh, But we should we should talk about the story of the movie. Yes, absolutely. Just just really quick. Yeah. And to our viewers, you guys could check this movie out on Netflix. Yeah. This ain't no Velvet Goldmine scenario. You don't have to go to your (laughs) local library. You can. If they have it, but yeah. you can watch it as a home, stream it on your phone, laptop, computer, wherever. On Netflix. On Netflix. This movies on Netflix currently, as of recording. Who knows? It might change. <laughs> well, it always going to change. Yeah. Um, so, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's a movie set in Toronto, and the main character is Scott Pilgrim, a 22 year old, like, Michael Sarah type, <laughs> unemployed. <laughs> But he says he's in between jobs and he's the bass player in a band, the Sex Bob-Oms, which is like a reference to the Bob-Oms from Mario. And he is telling his bandmates, I'm dating a high schooler <laughs> whose name is Knives Chow. She's, a, she's Chinese and she goes to a Catholic school. And the drummer, Kim, not impressed. You get the vibe that she does not like him. And it's because they used to date and they broke up. And she's um, not exactly cool with him right now. The talent, the singer-guitar player for the band is Steven. And they have like this roadie character whose name is Young Neil, which is a joke about Neil Young, an actual oh, musician. Uh, so he... <laughs> that <laughs> i just got that i didn't know it was a play on Ye- uh, neil young yeah oh what the fuck oh my god <laughs> you didn't know that no i didn't I, i'm 100 i always thought it was young neil because he was like you know kind of like weird or weird or something <laughs> i don't know i was like oh and at the very end when he's like now you are neil i was i, I didn't know it was a play on neil young yeah yeah there's a lot of plays on. I think Stephen <laughs> Stephen's name, Stephen Stills. I think that's like a folk singer or something too. Yeah, and Scott Pilgrim's name is actually um, based off of a band called Plum Tree that you actually see him wearing a shirt. Um, Plum Tree oh. has a song called Scott Pilgrim, so that's where <laughs> Scott Pilgrim gets his name. Wow! What holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> that's it has how you, a lot of references. That's There's how you so know I'm not in the music scene. I didn't even. Oh okay. my god! I'm sorry. I I I just caught that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, god damn it! Okay, so so he brings knives over, and then she's excited to see the 
the band. Well, she doesn't really know anything about the band. And then they perform for her. And then she's like, you guys are awesome. Um, And then he goes out on a date. They, like, play this DDR game. But they're, like, ninjas. And they're, like, really good at the game together. And then he goes to a... He has, like, this vision of a woman roller skating in his brain. Uh, and he's in like this wasteland. He's, he feels alone. So you're, you're supposed to, I guess, interpret that he feels alone in this relationship with Knives because he's not really with her because of her. He's with her because it's kind of easy. He doesn't need to take the relationship any further because she's a high schooler and they just hang out after school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to this party and he actually sees the girl there. It's Ramona, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And he tries to ask her out, but he gets nervous. And then he like leaves her alone. And then he asks everybody at the party, do you know this girl? Tell me everything about her. So when he finds out she works at Amazon, he orders a package and waits for her to deliver it. It's kind of weird. Um, and then he has to sign for the package, which is also really weird. But... <laughs> I think the the weirdest part is that he kind of annoys her into a date. And then she's like, all right, fine. If you sign for this, I'll go out with you. And then they go out. They have a really nice night. Uh, He spends the night at her place, but they don't have sex. And then he tells his roommate, Wallace, who's played by Macaulay Culkin's brother, Kieran McCulkey, who's awesome in this movie. I love him in this movie. (laughs) He tells him, and then he's like, okay, you had a really great time, but you had to break up with your fake high school girlfriend. And he's like, yeah, but that's hard. I don't want to do that. So he invited Ramona to see, the band enters this Battle of the Bands thing where the, the prize is getting a record deal. So he invites Ramona and Knives to this thing without breaking up with Knives. So, so, uh, there's a little bit of a scene there where Scott's sister tries to get them to talk to each other and find out who, who they are. So then the sex bombs go on and they play really loud. <laughs> and then the, the whole thing is interrupted by this guy, Matthew Patel, who's like this, this Indian kid who has superpowers. Yeah. And he has to, he says that he, he's part of the league of evil exes. And Scott's like, wait, what? Turns out that Ramona's, all of Ramona's exes all banded together to fight the next person that dates her to the death. And that's when you really get to the plot of the movie where he has to go through and fight all of these people in order to continue going out with Ramona. The first guy is Matthew Patel. He beats him. And then he, when he dies, he turns into coins. Uh, and then he keeps going out with Ramona and then the second evil ex is a Hollywood actor Lucas Lee Lucas Lee played by played... Chris, Chris Evans Captain America a year before yeah. a year before he played Captain America the year before yeah because Captain America uh the first one came out in 2011 what yeah wild <laughs> that's interesting before, so he was he, ter- before he was fighting Nazis, he was fighting Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Lucas Lee is like this action guy 
so he fights him and he can't fight this guy. He's just stronger than him. There's a bit where he has to like fight his his stuntmen as henchmen. Um, he fights him and he loses. So he's like, oh, I'm going to goad him into doing a, an impossible skate trick because there's girls watching. And it works. He does this skate trick and ends up exploding at the end of it. And then the third evil ex is uh, Todd. Brandon Roth. Who's played by Brandon Roth, who's the Superman in from Superman Returns. The Evil X number three is in a band with Scott Pilgrim's ex, Envy Adams, who's played by Brie Larson, Captain Marvel. Uh, so they meet in like they you see Clash of the Demon Head, Envy and Todd's band perform, and then he fights him. He's a He's vegan, so he has all these like powers. He's like telekinetic powers, so he can't fight him at all. So he challenges him to a base battle. But Todd's really good at base, <laughs> so he beats him there. So he tricks him into drinking a coffee that's filled with half and half. And then the vegan police come and de-veganize him. And then Scott's able to headbutt him into a bunch of coins. Fourth evil X is Roxy who is a girl implying that Ramona Flowers is bisexual. But she says it's just a phase. It was just a phase. <laughs> uh, and Scott doesn't want to fight her because she's a girl. And it, during this scene, Scott and Ramona kind of have like a big fight. And then Roxy comes and then Ramona fights with using Scott's limbs to, to beat her and the way he kills her is he gives her an orgasm by touching her on the back of the knee, which is her weak spot. That, and then, that was just so cringy to me. So I was like, <laughs> the no, only no. woman ex that she has, and you kill her through an orgasm. Yeah, that, <laughs> I agree. Fuck? That was that was definitely like a cringy scene. That I, was. I was like, Ugh, and it was weird. even cringier like when i first saw it with your siblings because i was like <laughs> what happened to it, her like <laughs> i'm so con i was so confused and then i got it i was like oh she burst okay <laughs> i get well, it now and then ramona is like scott says some like pretty mean things and ramona like says you're just another evil ex waiting to ha waiting to happen and then she gives him a list of like the remaining evil exes. Uh, the next one is the Katianagi twins, which five and six. Convenient. <laughs> um, they they are like this uh, electronic type of band, uh, and they are they meet Scott Pilgrim's band in the Battle of the Bands. So it's another kind of like music off, but. Uh, Scott's with his whole band and they're playing these instruments and their music turns into monsters and the monsters duke it out and Scott's band wins. Um, so then the guy who's running the Battle of the Bands, he's impressed by the performance of Scott Pilgrim's band, but also he's Ramona's last evil ex. He's her big ex. He's Gideon, played by Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> Uh, he signs Scott Pilgrim's band. Uh, so then Ramona says, like, I'm with Gideon now. We we, we had to break up. So Scott's alone. He gets a call from Gideon. 
and he's basically just taunting him again, inviting him to like a. You should see your your new the new lineup with your band at at my palace. Uh, so Wallace encourages him, like you know what, this fight isn't over. You'll kick his ass. So he goes to the palace. He confronts Gideon. Uh, so he confronts Gideon, and then Knives reappears after being broken up with Scott, or after breaking up with Scott. Uh, I think right before the second Evil X fight, right? Yeah. And then she gets with Young Neil to like make Scott jealous. She dyes her hair to make Scott jealous and to look more like Ramona. So she comes in and she starts fighting Ramona. And then Scott's like, this is all my fault. So he goes over to them and says, you guys are fighting because I cheated on Knives with Ramona. And then Ramona's like, you cheated on me? And he's she's, he's like, no, I cheated on her with you. And she's like, is, that a, is there a difference? <laughs> you weren't wronged? <laughs> You're so scummy. Um, but then he gets killed by Jason Swartzman. Uh, and Scott Pilgrim is dead. And he's back in like this weird like dream state in the desert. Ramona tells him that Gideon has some kind of like mind control chip in her head that prevents her from like leaving him. Um, but earlier, Scott had like won an extra life. So he comes back to life from the, I think right after the Katianagi twins, right? Yeah, he got the one up. He got the one up there. So he like, you see it all like can fast forward like the entire movie up until he like gets ready to fight Gideon. But this time he's not fighting Gideon for Ramona. He's fighting him for himself and he earns the power of self-respect, which is like a sword that comes out of his chest. And as they fight, so he fights, he talks to Ramona and knives before they fight. And he says, I wronged both of you. I'm, I cheated on both of you. I'm sorry. Kind of owning up to his mistakes and using the second life to own up to his mistakes to everybody. He even apologizes to Kim and he apologizes to the band. And he says that they sound way better with young Neil. And because of all this, he's, he beats Gideon easier this time, but because this is a video game, uh, Gideon has like a second stage where he is, he has like a, a bigger health bar. He, he has like a health bar and he fights knives and, Scott at the same time and Ramona tries to help but he like punches her off the pyramid so then they're like really mad because he just beat up Ramona uh, and they kill him Scott kicks his head off and he turns into seven million dollars Canadian and not seven band- billion was it seven billion it seven, seven billion. billion that's a lot of money that's a lot <laughs> yeah uh, so he he uh, walks the band, like collects all the money, and then uh, an evil version of Scott appears. And then Ramona and Knives get ready to help Scott fight this thing, but it's Scott's. Scott has to do this one alone, and he ends up just talking to the guy, and they like agree to have brunch next Sunday or whatever. And then Ramona apologizes for like all of her history, like coming up and attacking people hurting people so she leaves and the knives encourages scott to like go after her because you're i'm too cool for you anyway so scott chases after ramona and <laughs> they go through the subspace and like start anew and that's the movie and that's the end of the movie 
yeah, yeah. yeah this movie is it's really fun it's fun it's energetic it's 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 everything i've like i like i want in a hollywood blockbuster do you know what i mean it's creative some of my favorite scenes are the boss battles and kind of how you have to and how he fights each of them and kind of their own little you know well there's a base battle here and this is an amp versus amp battle and in when they're fighting um what what's her name um Roxy. Roxy. When they're fighting Roxy, it's really Ramona fighting Roxy, but Ramona is using Scott as like a, <laughs> as like a puppet, you know, because the rules yeah. of fighting of fighting the exes. So each fight has like its own, you know, kind of spin to it. Which I didn't mention this before, but Roxy is actually played by Mae Whitman, who was Anne in Arrested Development. Uh, I. It, you oh, know, are you familiar? Wait, I've I've never seen Arrested Development, but Michael Sarah's oh. in that show, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's, she she plays Michael Sarah's first girlfriend. Oh. And none of the family like her. They're like, "Oh, you're going out with her?" <laughs> that's, that's like the that's the joke. Uh that's pre- okay. That's pretty cool. I've yeah. I've never gone around to seeing that show, but I've heard only positive things about it. She also played President Whitmore's daughter in the first Independence Day. No way! Yeah. The, the little girl? Mm-hmm. <gasps> God, this, this is just one She's giant been circle. for a while. Yeah. Mind blown. This, this whole podcast is just one giant circle. It really it really is, though. It's um, funny how many, how many times we reference previous things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Well, it sounds like we're all pretty in agreement. I mean, we all like this movie to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are you? What are some of your favorite parts? What are your fa- some of your favorite things, Adrian? Um, well, after watching this movie, I did a a bunch of research about it, and there was so many Easter eggs and cool little things about this movie that I there's too many. I can't you know say them all, but one thing I thought was really cool that. Um, I know you guys will find pretty cool is when Ramona gives Scott um, her number that number is a reference also to Munich that number is used in Munich yeah wait what yeah that phone (laughs) number is used in Munich and a bunch of other Universal Studio um, movies as well (gasps) that's right (laughs) Munich was made by Universal Oh shit! That's funny. It is, and like I don't know how he didn't get it, but the little X's on the bottom. There are seven little X's, mm-hmm. and throughout the whole movie, there's X's everywhere. When he's walking <laughs> with knives in the snow, there's like a huge X. Oh, on the, the, the crossroads. The yes, crossroads. the crossroads in the in the in the snow. Yeah, there's an X on his sweater that he rips off. Um, oh, the patch. The patch, yeah. Oh, the X-Men patch. Yes. And when he's walking by himself, all moody and stuff, there's a bunch of, like, signs that have X's on them. There's seven signs (laughs) that have X's on them. Uh, Every X has, like, a number, right? Like, so this is X number one. This is X number two. Um, What I noticed in a few of them, I don't know if they did it for all of them, but, like... They did. The numbers? Yes, the numbers. They're referenced in some kind of way. Okay, so you're ahead of the curve because I know, like Brandon Roth had a three on his shirt, on his white tee, yes, because um, mm-hmm. he's the third ex boyfriend. When they're about to fight Roxy at the club, the camera 
the camera uh, go uh, for, uh, booms down, right? So it, like it shows you the top of the building. And there's like a giant four there. It's in. It's yeah. on, It's like on the background, but like there's a giant four, and it means that he's headed to fight the next evil X. Um, that's pretty cool. It is, and I actually have them pulled up right here on my phone about all of them. But oh yeah, like for the second one where he's fighting um, Lucas Lee, um, his car in the back that you only see for a quick second has a big <laughs> two on it. Oh, I never caught that. Yeah, and then the. The twins, they have... Oh, uh, is it because they're five and six yes. and they turn up the music to 11? Yes. The 11, the 11 oh. is written in Japanese. Yes. <laughs> and it's a ref- and that's a reference to Spinal Tap. Yeah. Oh my... Oh, what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> and Matthew Patel's, I feel like his was the more like subtle one. He has a number one chevron on his left shoulder. Oh. It's like super subtle. Like it's it's mm. only there for like a split second that you see it. But Gideon, his was like the most obvious that they put seven everywhere. Like when Scott had to fight him all over again after he died, after he killed mm-hmm. all of the guys, it was just like seven hundred, seven hundred, seven thousand, seven thousand, like, seven billion, mm. seven billion coins at the end when he defeats him. Yes. Yeah. Also, I think doesn't he have the? You made me swallow my gum. <laughs> gonna yes. be in my digestive tract for seven years yes is that what he says yes yeah. that's what he said you made me swallow my gum it's gonna be in my digestive tract for seven years <laughs> but that's but that isn't that like an actual thing i feel like i heard no, that as a kid it's not a thing it's a it's wise tale yeah, old wives' tale. It's one of those things that they say, "Oh, it's, it's going to do this." You, every, the average human eats eight spiders a year. It, it's not. I based got that. On any no, fact. No. I got that from the bottom of a Snapple cap, and I guarantee you that they're not <laughs> lying to me. Yeah, Snapple's lying to you, dude. Yeah, you're Sorry lying to, to me. To you. That's hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> I I had. Heard- definitely heard that as a kid yeah, like don't swallow gum because it's gonna stay inside you for seven years and i kept oh, yeah. track sometimes now this movie has just great references all they throughout really do. it again and... how many i've i've seen this movie five times i that young neil thing was staring at me right in the face and i <laughs> never that, that hit you hard it. huh it did damn <laughs> and that's just one and the munich thing was another little yeah. little subtle nod but it's, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are some of your favorite things, George, about this movie? Um, favorite scenes or whatever. The dialogue is incredible. <laughs> dialogue is legit. I mean, we. Um, the dialogue is just you, you have line after line. Uh, things, jokes that they reference, how they're self-aware. They set up. It's just incredible. Even, even just the tiny little gags where like Julie is like blocking her mouth with like a black bar when she's cursing. Stuff like mm-hmm. that is really great. I love how weird this movie is. It's weird throughout. Um, like when uh, Matthew, what Matthew Patel, is that his character? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. The when first Matthew, evil ex. Yeah. When he breaks out dancing and singing and then he has hipster vampire chicks come out behind them. <laughs> I love how that's weird. I love, yeah. I love how that's just out of nowhere. And this movie constantly does that. Even to a certain extent, the orgasm one is kind of in the same vein, but it's just, that one's a little cringy. Uh, but I, conceptually, I'm okay with it, I guess. Like, doing random and weird stuff. Like the base battle. 
brother pointed this out, but I think the second uh, bass line that uh, oh, well, what? each of those each of those themes are themes from video games. Like I know yeah. one of them. I don't know them by heart. I wasn't even aware of it. It was until I looked it up that some of them are like references to like Link or Final Fantasy yes. or other video games. Um, and each of each of those is a theme to a different video game. Those kind of details make this movie really enjoyable, especially if you're in the know. If you played those games and you see this movie referencing it, that must <laughs> yeah. just send you goosebumps. It did. Yes. And not just to video games, but to music as well, because this movie has a great soundtrack and it's about a rock band so they obviously make references to music young mm-hmm. neil being one of them um and well, even I though think, i don't uh, scott pilgrim has two smashing pumpkins shirts oh i didn't notice that i know the he has zero one i know he oh. has the bass shirt from rock band yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought that was but, really cool but it's those little things that really make just make the film feel a bit richer you know it's um it's just it's referencing these things that if you know, great. If not, it doesn't get in the way. Uh, it's ingenious. It's exciting. The fight scenes are obvi- really well choreographed. These fight scenes are incredible because you get the sense that they're super chaotic. He's whipping the camera. There's a little bit of camera shake, but it's not like Marvel overload. You know what I mean? Or Born Ultimatum mm. where it's almost mm-hmm. unintelligible. Like You can't tell what's happening. And I, I like the Bourne Ultimatum fight scenes. I think those are incredible fight scenes, but I think filmmakers have gotten kind of the wrong lessons from that. And you'll have something like Taken 2 or Taken 3 where it's a mess. You can't tell what's happening. Do you know what mm. I mean? You can't even see the actors' faces. Here, well, you, you could clearly... There's a good... It's clearly very, very chaotic, but it's also legible. You can see what Scott's doing. Yeah, and I think part of that is because of who they got to do the fight scenes. Um, are you? Have you seen any Jackie Chan movies? Like oh, the yeah. early Jackie Chan movies? Not early. Um, I mean, I've seen his American stuff, and I also saw the animated cartoon, but not his early, early stuff. Not Police Story, none of those. Well, I think this guy came in kind of later into Jackie Chan's career, actually. His name is Brad Allen. He was the guy that he fights in Gorgeous. He's like this white dude who's like a really good fighter. Uh, he studied under Jackie Chan. He's in a ton of his movies. He's like in Shanghai Nights, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3. He's in a bunch of them. Tuxedo. And he was the like stunt coordinator. He was doing all the fight scenes for scott pilgrim so he had he brings with him that like eastern influence of like how fight scenes should look which and it's kind of sad that he kind of he didn't kind of he brad allen died like i think he was announced dead today as wow. of recording wait which is today? unfortunate yeah today wait 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 like wait, wait, wait. brad allen oh yeah. shit august 7th 2021 he just what the fuck yeah he wow. just died that's sad. And wait, he was oh Scott Pilgrim for the World stunt coordinator, second unit director. Mm-hmm. Whoa! That's crazy. What the fuck? That is insane. I think he was the first, uh, like Western person to like get into Jackie Chan's stunt team too. Damn. Uh, on August seventh, twenty twenty one, Jackie Chan revealed on social media that Alan died due to illness. He was forty eight years old. 
Yeah. Whoa, he wasn't even old. He he no, my dad's older than him, and that dude's unhealthy as fuck. <laughs> In twenty twenty in twenty ten, Allen teamed up with British director Edgar Wright on the making of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World as second unit director. Allen and his team again teamed up with Wright in twenty eleven and twenty twelve for Cuban Fury and the World's End, respectfully. He worked on the Marvel film Ant Man, released in July twenty fifteen. Well, makes sense because Edgar Wright was supposed to work on Ant Man until yeah. he quit or he got fired. He quit because I don't think that he was comfortable making or compromising his creative vision. Oh, hey, shout out to shout out to Brad Allen, man. Yeah, he was really good at his job. Uh, Also, uh, the cinematographer is Bill Pope, Mm -hmm. who worked on the Matrix movies. Yes. Huge collaborator with the Wachowskis. Well, here's the lesson that Hollywood needs to take. It's when you're shooting, when your movie revolves around fighting, you need to have a good team. Like a really good team and a solid vision as to how the fight scenes are going to be executed. If you just take the cookie cutter approach as to, okay, you know, we're just going to shake it really hard, shake the camera really hard. So that way we can't see the actors. You kind of lose some of the, some of the kinetic energy that brain, that comes with fight scenes. Again, born ultimatum, I think is a good example of having a clear direction. Granted, it's really chaotic for a lot of people, but this movie is a perfect example of that. The fight scenes are legible, exciting, fun. They're they're super well choreographed. God damn. My favorite my favorite fight scene is um the one my favorite evil X fight scene is the amp versus amp. Uh, <laughs> oh. where the dragons and like that monster come out and they start like fighting with, as the music's going on. I like that song by the way. And my favorite fight scene Threshold. Is, huh? Threshold, yeah. Yeah. And or that's a cool battle. My favorite fight scene is the one at the Chaos Theater when it's Scott versus all the extra stuntmen, you know? <laughs> or like the, the the bodyguards or whatever. A yes. little fun fact about that one too. Um the stuntmen, some of them actually are Chris Evans' real stuntmen for other movies too. <laughs> Dude, that's this, funny. this movie has so many. I I cannot like it's crazy, but yeah. And those guys would probably go on and work with him in on every other Marvel film. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, good on them, though. Hey, hey yeah, this movie really makes you respect. Uh, this movie owes a lot to its stunt people. And it even references them. But, yeah, man. I mean, stunt people go yeah, unnoticed them, a lot. One of them got their teeth knocked out. In this movie? Yeah. Oh, it, it was at the fight in the Chaos Theater. I guess uh, the, they were like doing the sword stunts where he's like chopping them and one of them got hit in the face and his teeth came out oh <gasps> fuck was he yeah, was he they're okay? able to like... find him yeah he's okay he, i mean stuntmen do dangerous things and these these things happen like i've seen wrestlers get their teeth knocked out you yeah. know it's it's kind of part of the 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 job you try to be as safe as possible but how safe is it to really fall down? <laughs> well, well, how how safe is it when one actor is waving a stick around and in the mm-hmm. scene he's supposed to be hitting you with it? Yeah, um, I, it's a dangerous business, man. Super dangerous. The the men and women behind this, they put their their they put their bodies on the line. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Back back from back back to it. This movie has incredible fight scenes that are performed very well. They've aged incredibly in the past 11 years 
you know, the this movie, the action scenes are probably still better than <laughs> most out there. <laughs> and, you know, some of these action scenes uh, from newer films have like $100 million budgets and stuff. But I'm like, eh, it's not it's not as good as Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. I I think uh, my favorite thing is just how uh, dynamic the just regular scenes are. Like the way that people look to each other, the way that the reactions that they give. I think maybe the performances. If I have to like really narrow it down, it would be the performances are my favorite thing. Oh, I never even mentioned movie. that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's, there's, like not the, a, there's not a single wink, weak link in this movie in terms of acting. No. Mm-hmm. Like the, the way Ramona or um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead acts with her eyebrows a lot. <laughs> Brie Larson is Brie Larson's so oh, good. Oh my yeah. god! Like she looks like America's America's sweetheart, but here she's like <laughs> Canada's like she's like Canada's like bad girl. And oh my god, she plays it so well. She really does. She's like being vegan just makes you better than everyone else. <laughs> and, <laughs> Didn't you know? Todd's vegan. Vegan? It's not really that big of a deal. No kidding. (laughs) Anyone can be vegan. Ovo lacto vegetarian, maybe. Ovo what? I partake not in the meat, nor the breast milk, nor the ovum of any creature. A face. Short answer, being vegan just makes you better than most people. Bingo. The way she's saying that with that confidence, she might be right. No, she <laughs> is right. Be- being vegan makes you better than most people. I was going to ask. That's was... why people hate vegans. Because <laughs> well, my friend said this. People hate vegans because we all know that they're right. <laughs> I was going to say, where are your vegan powers, Austin? I'm not vegan. But what about Leanna? She's Leanna's vegan. vegan. Where mm-hmm. are her superpowers? Has she just not shown us yet? Maybe she's she has shown them, but you're just unaware of them. Oh, how's shit. how's your dog's doing? Fine, right? My dog has lost a lot of weight, and she's doing better at her hips. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Leanna's using her vegan powers for good. Oh my god! Unlike unlike Todd. Unlike Todd, who's an <laughs> asshole. Um, but yeah, like the the way he acts in this movie, his like everything he says is so funny brie larson so funny honestly and uh, let's can we talk about michael Sarah real quick who is incredible he mm -hmm. i think he's great in the movie he i forgot how much of a loser they made scott seem in the very beginning of the movie (laughs) but he he, kind of is he's yeah he's he's an asshole loser but you still like him because he's funny or he's just he is funny like some of the things that he's saying some of the quick lines you know, and Michael Sarah delivers the entire performance incredibly. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that that change at the end where he, you know, where he learns self-respect and he's admitting to the women that he cheated on them. It Scott, it Scott goes through an arc, man. Like he, that yeah. is a character arc 101 and he acts it really well. Cause sometimes you're like, man, eh, this, this person, some actors will perform it like, man, eh, this person hasn't changed. I bought it from Michael Sarah. Mm hmm. Yeah, Eh, I feel like, yeah, it was really nice to see how he went through the first fight with Gideon, like with the power of love. 
and then he died and tried again with self-respect and won. But I don't feel like it um, it justifies him dating a 17-year-old in the end of the movie. Well, yeah, I, I think that's... that's it's, it's icky. It's, it, it is really he's, icky. He's a child, too, though. Uh, he's, yeah. a 22, he's a 22-year-old he's a child who should have known better. Uh, that's true. I do like how the film kind of how or i like how everyone around him drags him for that yeah like they're constantly I like how's your high like school that, yeah i'm like i was like oh yeah that's right i thought they made her 18 just to like get on the technicality that oh she's not underage nah she's underage and his friends do not let him go like no and i like how most it. of them ask him like did you guys you know yeah Oh, they they had to. They had to put that. Because if yeah. they didn't talk about that, then people would just assume that they have fucked. And that makes Scott real creepy. Yeah, that makes yeah. him, like, like irredeemably bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, which uh, right now, I would say it makes him more of a loser. And, and kind of scummy. I mean, that's the thing. Both of you are right. Like, it is scummy. And it is very weird and awkward. Um, but Austin's also right in that he isn't, he isn't an adult. Like he is a child. He's unemployed. He has no aspirations. He's in a band that he kind that he thinks are, they're terrible. Um, he's not developed. So it's, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the biggest like yellow cards where it's like, get me hey, where's my whistle? Just stop yellow yellow <laughs> stop it i think it's it's like it's really close like if she was 18 i think it would be not a a big of it, i mean it would still be icky because she's still in, going to school but i think that was i think that making her 17 was an intentional thing though where it's mm. like this is clearly not a good thing but yet you're still doing it yeah um and and that's why and that's why the film constantly bags on him for that we can make a honestly you know what i'm gonna do for this episode i'm gonna try to make a montage of all the times that they roast him for dating a 17 year old high school that that would be really funny not so long ago in the mysterious land of toronto canada scott pilgrim was dating a high schooler scott pilgrim is dating a high schooler really is she hot how old are you now, Scott? Like 28? I'm not playing your little games, kids. So you've been out of high school for like 13 years. I'm 22. 22. And you're dating a high school girl. 17 years old? Scandal. That's not true. Who told you? Wallace, duh. That gossipy bitch. You know me. Wallace! Who is this mystery child you date? Her name's Knives Chow. She's Chinese. A 17-year-old Chinese schoolgirl? You're ridiculous. It's a Catholic school, too. With the uniform and everything? Yeah, the whole deal. Oh, my God. You guys haven't... No, 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 no. We haven't even held hands yet. I think she hugged me once. Scott, why are you doing this? I don't know. It's just nice, you know? It's just simple. It's been over a year since you got dumped by she who will not be named, so... Are you legitimately moving on, or is this just you being insane? Can I get back to you on that? hate you. Even I would think twice about dating a 17-year-old. Well, she's only allowed out when the sun is up, so I wouldn't call it dating. It's more like playtime. That doesn't sound so good either. No. 
Do you have anything by the Clash at Demon Head? Have you tried the section marked the Clash at Demon Head? Thank you, Julie. Are you coming to my party Friday, or will you be busy babysitting? Thank you, Julie. And I feel like they play into it because when um, Scott's walking to his house with knives, he, he goes in, she's like, oh, can I go in? And he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's like a no girls only kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they did that because of like her age, because later on Ramona goes in. Yeah, I I think that he knows that it's it's icky, too. And he doesn't want to take things to where they're like super inappropriate. Yeah. This movie walks on that very fine line of showing how inappropriate this relationship is, but also kind of justifying it in a weird... Do you know what I mean? Like, Scott clearly is not serious about knives. The movie makes that very clear. Mm -hmm. Scott gets roasted by his friends. (laughs) And um, they're like, they constantly point out like, no, they haven't had sex. He doesn't have sex in the entire film, not even with Ramona. Uh, yeah. They kind of made a point of that. So Scott isn't really interested in having sex. Um, they even they even make a joke about it where it's um, where he's like, uh, Koken, uh his roommate. Uh, what's his roommate's name? Um, Wallace. 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 Where Wallace's boyfriend or his like one night stand is like, and you didn't have sex with her. Are you gay? Like clearly, sex isn't really a, th- a priority for Scott. So somehow this movie walks that balance, but it's still icky. Like, like I get yeah. where you're coming from, Adrian. Like, I, I feel the same way where it's just kind of like, uh, I might need to take a shower because this is just <laughs> icky. Yeah. <laughs> but like, think, you do kind of forget about it. Like, yeah, like this movie is yeah. aware he's clearly older. She's younger. That's weird. And it constantly brings up points to kind of like, okay, it's creepy. It's creepy. It's weird. Um, whereas mm-hmm. other films will do it and it's like, no, but it, it's love. Mm-hmm. Age is just a number, you know? She just <laughs> found someone that she could relate to. It doesn't matter that he's like, it doesn't matter that he's like 20 years older than her. Why do you I have mean, to, why do you, I, you're the one making it creepy. <laughs> I, we're not making it creepy. Why is your head going down the gutter? He's not taking advantage of her. He's just showing her, I, like a whole new world. <laughs> she he met her parents and they're totally okay with it. It's it's that kind uh-huh. of thing where it's just like it's like bro, this is creepy. One and I I, I, th- I feel like I have a bigger issue with the way that he says she's Chinese. I, I feel like there's yeah. a little bit of fetishizing going on. And the way that the talent and Neil Young like praise him for that like mm. that is a thing i do agree the the 17 year old thing is like icky but it's like all right you took enough steps to like let us know that you understand how weird this is but the chinese thing is like constantly brought up and it's i think it's this like it's like fetishizing asians you know what i mean where it's like yeah but she's asian (gasps) oh my god bro it's like It's, it's like that's like an extra extra thing I know this movie has been dragged because like uh, so I didn't know this but apparently there's like a trope when you have like an Asian character in the film they like dye their hair um like it's yeah there's like a trope where it's like if you have an Asian character in your film that you like 
dye their hair to make them seem cool or hip or something. Like, that's a thing. Like, what? they did it with Mako. Yeah, yeah. They did it with Mako in Pacific Rim. They did it with Knives in this movie. Um, you see you see Knives do that herself, though, to, to look more like Ramona. Right? I, so, like, it's icky at first, but I think with how much screen time they give for Knives and her character development, I think it kind of makes up for it. No, no, it... I and that's what I would say it, cause 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 knives is doing it to to close to closer resemble Ramona Flowers who is dating her ex. I feel like I sort of agree with Austin because they do give her like a lot of screen time, but she also doesn't yes. keep it dyed for the whole time. Yeah, it's her her dyeing it is just like it's a part of her insecurity, and eventually she she gets she grows out of that. You know she becomes her own person by the end of the movie. Yeah. I, I and I, I agree with you guys. I think in this example, I'm I think it's I think it's fine. Like it, it makes sense. You know, like you see her you see why she does it. The blues click like how when the girl when both women walk out of the restroom, they both, you know, knives is mimicking her. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, um so it's mimicking it, her. She's clear yeah, she's clearly struggling and she's this movie is really about dealing with breakups right and like but dealing talk- with the relationships in general yeah yeah well i think it's with relationships having self-respect because you obviously don't want to cheat but it also deals with how people cope with breakups because mm-hmm. everyone to, in this movie sort of gets dumped in a weird way or, or like mm-hmm. rejected and i think you know one of the lines that's very powerful is you're just an evil ex in the making it's like Actually, what she's saying is true. If yeah. Scott mm-hmm. took it a bit further, if he didn't have that self-realization, he would have just been an evil ex, and it would have been eight of them. In in knives in knives situation, it's a little different because she's heartbroken. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And even and by the end of the film, she kind of realizes that she may not be completely over the but the breakup, but she's not coloring. She doesn't have the blue streaks in her hair anymore. Well, and actually, maybe that, it might be because Todd punched him out of her hair. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> he punched the highlights like, out of her hair. <laughs> I think one of the things that didn't really land for me is at the very end when Gideon is like, hey, listen, come pout chicken. Oh, God. Yeah. And I like I I still laugh at that line, <laughs> but I still laugh at that line. But I'm like whoa what the i mean f- you still laugh at that line when kane says it in mortal com kano says it in mortal Kombat. yeah it's it's fucked up it's funny but it's fucked up and i don't know maybe i'm having my cake in it eating it too but i'm just like <laughs> it's a fucked up line and wait okay but that line doesn't upset me upset me because gideon's an asshole like that yeah he he's a music douchebag like is mm-hmm. it outside of the realm to to have someone like him say that line? No. Like, absolutely not. I could see him. He's a musical douchebag. And we're not supposed to be sympathetic to him or anything. But yeah. the, the line that really bugs me is when she's like, it's time to chow down. Oh, my God. And yes. I was like, I was like why, no. are you, why are you using your last name as, like, a way to start a fight? Or, like, to let someone know that we're about to fight? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's about a ghost. Kind of- Throughout the movie, though, yeah. like once you were vegan, now you will be gone. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess, but I just didn't like the chow. It's time to chow down. I was I like, I just doesn't bother me. No, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, 
it's I feel like the, I, I, the it's in the spirit of all like the cheesy one-liners. Oh my, May Whitman, uh, Roxy has some of the best. I think she does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, when she was... first runs into Scott in the hall in the yes. alley. Punch me in the boob. Prepare to die. Obviously. Look, I've had it today. Can we not do this right now? Oh, I'd love to postpone, darling, but I just cashed my last rain check. What's that from? My brain! Well, I'm really, really not up for this, whatever it is. Okay, little chicken. I'll see you later. But you won't see me. Because next time, I'll be deadly serious next time. What? Never mind! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh yeah. I'm a little bi-furious. Like, and she you punched calls me in the- uh, Ramona a has-been. <laughs> oh my god, that shit was so funny. <laughs> oh, that had me dying. Roxy has oh, some of the man. best lines, dude. God damn. Oh, it's fucking... And like, I don't know, like, her being bisexual, I feel like they had so many good lines to say for that. It, it was oh, just yeah. really funny. I think one of the quotes that I was thinking about making for my final quote at the end was, your BF's about to get f in the B. <laughs> it's all in slow motion, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, oh, she's great. That, again, I think that whole orgasm thing was a little cringy, but everything outside oh of that, she's, like, perfect. Yeah, I just... I, I don't know. I, it was still really funny to me. It was, the way she, but she I She says, wish- you'll never be able to do this to her. <laughs> 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 Every pilgrim reaches the end of his journey. Some sooner than others. Ah! Your BF's about to get effed in the B! The weak points the back of her knees. Wait, how does that work? Whenever we were making out, I would just... Okay, enough! <laughs> oh. Never be able to do this. I just think I'm picturing that scene again. Uh, imagine her acting that scene out in front of all the crew members. It's all in slow motion too. So, like, the entire sequence of dialogue is all. It's slow. Oh god. Well, whenever we would make out, I would just <laughs> never mind. Uh no, she's definitely uh, all the evil axes have their thing. Um I I just laughed so hard cuz I didn't catch that like you'll never be able <laughs> to do this to her. I just <laughs> fucking got it and I'm pic- well, I was picturing it when in I my when head. I fr- when i watched the movie for the first time i didn't know what what was happening to her i thought she was like ticklish or something right i was like why is she like rolling around yeah that's that's what i was thinking i was like is she like ticklish did he like do like a nerve thing or something i know i thought it was like some i didn't know it was like an orgasm thing me either me either (laughs) oh my god oh man no this movie is this movie this movie this movie has a lot of gay in it, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. With there, there's a lot to it. Well, Wallace um, with Roxy, uh, like it's it's all over the movie. I kind of forgot 
how gay it was. Yeah. Just, con- yeah. just constantly. I didn't even know. Oh, my God. One of the funny, the funniest fucking things. Oh, I... Damn, this is one of the funniest fucking gags in this movie is when Wallace is hitting on Scott's <laughs> sister's boyfriend. <Yeah>. Jimmy! <laughs> and, and one of the funniest gags is when it's like when um when she, when Scott's sister looks at Scott or or no no, Knives looks at Ramona, Scott's sister looks at Scott, and then Wallace looks at her boyfriend and he looks away. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh my god. And she and when Ramona leaves, uh, tell your tell your gay friends that I said uh, bye. And she's like, Wallace, not again. She's like, <laughs> oh. what do you mean? Implying there's a history of, of this happening. Yeah. <laughs> Wallace has not has done this before. It's so it's so fun, dude. It's um, it's really funny. I yeah. think in the graphic novel, because there are differences between the graphic mm-hmm. novel and the movie. Uh, partially because the movie was in development when the third book was out. Yeah. Right. I guess mm-hmm. we'll, we could talk about this real quick. Uh, uh, Edgar Wright just released Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. and then his producers or some people like they showed up and they're like, this is your next movie. And they gave him the first book for Scott Pilgrim, the Scott Pilgrim series. I think it was called Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. And at the time, it was the only one that was released, and he read it, and he's like, oh, are you sure? But uh, shouldn't we see how the rest of this ends up? Like, what, where does the story go? The author, Brian O'Malley, got about three books in out of six before the movie started development. I think the screenplay was finished uh, after looking at the outlines that Brian O'Malley had. Yeah. So there's stuff that happens in the fifth, third, fifth, and sixth book that don't happen in the movie at all. Like the Katinagi twins, like they have like a whole book just for that evil ex situation. And at some point, Roxy's dad, not Roxy's dad, uh, Knives' dad fights Roxy. What? There's like a fight scene between them. Oh my God. Um, Two characters that I did not imagine that needed a fight scene. Yeah, it's... The graphic novel is like a different thing, yeah. you know, it's uh, <laughs> and one big thing is that Steven, the talent in the band, yes. right, like the, the guitarist and singer, he's gay at the or he's, it's revealed that he's gay towards the end of the Scott Pilgrim series. They couldn't include that in the film because he Edgar just didn't know about it. Yeah. Also, the character that he ends up being with is not in the movie at all. Mm. There's a lot yeah. of characters that don't appear in the movie because it's it's a movie you know it's only not gonna sit here four hours (laughs) this doesn't need to be a a a trilogy you know well i think i think if anything this just highlights because i think the movie is good as it is yeah Mm -hmm. um that the let the graphic novel exists on itself you know you Mm -hmm. can take the you could take the Zack snyder approach where you translate every pen on every line of dialogue and put it on the screen for a four-hour movie yeah. That's one way of doing it, or you could just take the the meats and potatoes and put it in the film. Because yeah, you really have two mm-hmm. hours, three hours at most. And the twins, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to see what their story brings in. But really, for the the story of Scott, we don't need to really have much more of them. Hell, we don't need to have Knives' father fight Roxy. That we don't even see Knives' parents at all. The only person we see from her family is her sister. 
No, I, I and, thought and I we... think there's even some like battles with envy too. Like she fights people. Oh, actually, I would have liked to have seen that. I mean, is it needed for the movie? No, but I would have liked to have seen Brie Larson fight in, then, in the Scott you know, Scott Pilgrim universe. Since we're talking about the book, I also wanted to mention um, that you know, in the end of the movie, Scott stays with Ramona, but in the books. He actually ends up staying with knives. Oh, I think the original ending for the movie was was that too. It was, they, and they tested it, and people did not like it. No, um, so they ended up changing it afterwards. I think you can actually see this ending on the Blu-ray. Oh, really? Release. Yeah, really. I didn't oh. know it was actually in Blu-ray. Wow. But yeah, I oh, thought that was really interesting. Game. I I think that maybe that was the plan for the the graphic novel, but that's not what happens. He he does end up with Ramona as as well in the graphic novel. Yeah, but I don't think that was the original plan. I think the original plan was to have Scott end up with knives, but when the author actually got to like writing the last volume, he had changed it. So that he stays with Ramona. Yeah. Oh. But originally, in both situations, he ends up with knives. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, they even kind of hint at the film at the very end where it's like, you know, Ramona wants to leave and, you know, Scott. It's weird because Scott, in a weird way, has connected more with knives because trying to chase Ramona, do you know what I mean? Like, and trying to win Ramona's affection and fighting her evil exes, he connects with Knives a little bit more. So, like at the very end, in the film, when Knives says your hair looks shaggy and he puts on his cap, she's the one that <laughs> removes it. They're the ones that kind of talk a little back and forth. I I could have seen that ending go down. Like I could have seen that Scott say, you know what? Like I don't think I was I wasn't fair to you. I didn't give you a chance, and we actually have some sort of chemistry. I could see I could have seen that happen as well. And then then it goes back to like the ickiness of him dating a high schooler. <laughs> like I see what you mean. Like they they showed that little bit of chemistry, but it's like she's still in high school. Yeah, I think what what I see there is like an understanding. Like Scott has under understands that he has damaged people too with his dating, with his the way he is in relationships. You know, I think yeah. for the majority of that movie, he's just like, oh, envy broke my heart. Envy broke my heart. But he doesn't really think of who he's hurt in relationships. You kind of see that conversation happening right before he fights Roxy talking about there's always someone that gets broken up with and, you know, they're hurt. How about all the people you broke up with? And he kind of like dismisses them as like, oh, they're fine now, but they're clearly not. Yeah. Well, he's so in I think, denial. Yeah. <clears throat> in that scene, he understands that he's hurt people himself. So I, I don't think that he's necessarily gotten closer to Knives. I think he just understands her perspective mm, more. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. That is. Yes. Yeah. I, I I like the ending with Ramona. You know, it's a it's um yeah classic love story, boy meets girl, you know, and they go through trials and tribulations. Yeah. It's it's just classic, you know, classic basic, but I, I like it. I like I I do think it's a it's a little more open ended than usual because they they're not gonna start from where they left off they're kind of going to start over mm -hmm. so maybe it doesn't work out with them but at least they'll give it like a 
a, a fresh start. You could take this story and kind of keep running, running with it. You know, like Scott could become an evil ex or they could work out or in a weird alternate oh. universe like uh, Scott and Knives work out, you know, granted later in the future when everyone's uh, an adult. <laughs> um, I mean, that... you know, I could see I could see it going down. And there's and this movie is so referenced and it's so weird in like, you know, video game. It's so weird with his video game references and how it uses it to his aesthetic. I could see a whole bunch of people coming up with stuff like this. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. fun. It's fun. It's and really I'm fun. Sure. And I feel like this is the the first video game movie that it feels like it's been created by someone who understands video games. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'd like to think that in a world, you know, it's like, you know, um, if you have, if you have the intention of writing a good story, you don't have to play video games to make a good video game movie. You just need to have a solid direction, solid cast and a solid story. And yet somehow that is far from the fucking truth. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's just, nobody has been able to conquer the video game movie and, this is probably the best example of like, here's how you do it. You could be weird and cheesy and have fun and have good action scenes. And in this movie, this like there's video game references to the way people play games. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, when he does the second, when he goes through the Gideon battle again, Mm -hmm. now that he's played it already, he's already lived that it's a lot easier and he knows Mm -hmm. the tricks. He knows everything he's supposed to do. So he just flies by that whole sequence until he fights the boss of Gideon again. Mm-hmm. And Gideon's like second stage where he gets <laughs> uh, new attacks patterns and everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's like most video games, except it's not like uh, Dark Souls, where going back <laughs> is like the same track where you're just like, fuck. Dark me. Souls is way easier the second time. Oh, is it? It's I've, so much easier. <laughs> I've never played Dark Souls. I've played Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro's like you you play like the first time you play those games, it's really, really hard. But by losing and getting hit by stuff, you're learning what the attack pattern of the boss is. It's like beaten into you. Mm-hmm. So then the second time you fight them, it's like, man, why do I have a, such a hard time fighting this boss? No, we're talking about video game movies. There's a lot of things in movies like that video games that movies can adapt. Like, clearly, there have been ideas from video games that movies can adapt, and mm-hmm. yet, for the fucking life of it, we have not been able to do it. We are, we're going to have Uncharted with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg soon, so hopefully... And the Uncharted games are basically a movies already, so let's yeah. hope yeah. they get it, but... It's this it, weird, like, art imitates life, imitates art kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, it hasn't worked out. A game I love is Tomb Raider from square enix the 2013 reboot yeah and i did not like the movie and i'm like you literally took this from the game except you made it not as good i i think the the problem or i don't know if it's a problem but how you tell a story in a video game is different from how you would tell the story cinematically there's there's things that make sense in a video game that don't make sense in like a cinematic space but in scott pilgrim Mm. it tries to make those things happen in the cinematic space another example is when when they do like the punches and stuff there's like 
an impact like light and a flash on every single hit, which is what happens in games. Like, you know, you're doing damage because you see the flash. You see like the little health bar come up or like the numbers output, how much damage you did. And in this movie, they they kind of do that. And they did it practically when they they uh, did their fight scenes. You'd have people, Edgar Wright sometimes included, they would hit like little buttons that would cause the light to flash and they would time them on the punches and the kicks and everything. So if you watch the movie again, you'll notice that. That's really interesting. That is really fucking cool. Yeah. But video games do that as feedback for the player, meaning that mm-hmm. punch that you just threw connected. So you're dealing damage. I mean, all, most video games do that. Siege does that. You know, mm-hmm. Siege, when you hit, when you kill a character, you headshot someone, there's a little red X, a tiny little red X that shows that you just killed them with a headshot. It's that sort of feedback that video games have. You can't really translate to that to a movie, and yet Scott Pilgrim finds a way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like it knows all the rules for cinema, and it chooses to, to break them. Even like the when Gideon is like dying, right? He's flashing red, <laughs> which is <laughs> the universal sign that you're killing this boss. The boss is almost dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's those little things. It's those little things that when you add them up, because this movie has a lot of those little things. It all really throughout does. It. And not just movies, but like you said, Adrian, music too. Like it adds to a film that's just, you go back and revisit and revisit and you're going to find new things. Fucking oh, young yeah. Neil. <laughs> Do you know who? You're so hung up on that, who huh? did the... It blew my mind. Do you know who did the music for the sex bombs? Beck? Yeah. Yes, Beck. that's right. <gasps> we, we haven't even mentioned the soundtrack. It's so good. It really so good. is. It really is. There's an interview with Edgar Wright, and um, someone's asking about the music. And he's, he said that they used, like, Beck wrote some songs as demos, and they gave them to Edgar Wright and company, and they were like, we should just use the songs as is because they sound dirty and grimy, like something that the sex bombs would would produce. So they just <laughs> used his demos, and those demos are on the soundtrack. And some of those songs have more plays than Beck's original songs. <laughs> That's really funny. We're talking about Breeze Larson' performance of Black Sheep actually has so more good. views yeah. than the original song. Yeah, because when Crazy. I first seen this movie, I. I had that song stuck in my head and I would try to look for it on YouTube. Like, Oh, Brie Larson, um, Scott Pilgrim song. And then, um, what's, what's the band metric metric there's there's came up and I was like, what, what's this? And I'm like, Oh, this is their song. Like she didn't yeah. write this. <laughs> she didn't perform this. Yeah. No, and I, was like, I oh. Adrian, I'm on the same boat. I literally have the original song on my Spotify playlist, Metric Black Sheep. Yes. And now I have Breeze Larson, Breeze Larson, Breeze Larson <laughs> version of it too. Yeah, they recently put that on. Um, yeah, for Spotify the 10th too. anniversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everyone was in love with it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people were. But yeah, it's so cool listening to watching the movie again, and. If you know those songs, you're like, holy shit, that's that song. Mm-hmm. Or like the even the video game references. There's so many Nintendo video game references as well as Sega too. Like when Scott Pilgrim's collecting coins, you it's the same sound 
as Sonic collecting coins. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh, so much Zelda references. I love it. I love it so yeah, much. Gideon's like sick symbol is like an inverted Triforce. Yes, it's the... Oh my <laughs> gosh. Something I wanted to talk about real quick, because I know, Austin, you and I mentioned this. I wanted to know how Adrian feels. Just another positive to throw out there are the transitions. Mm-hmm. Sonically and visually, this movie has mastered the art of transitions because this, yeah. this movie constantly cuts between scenes fluidly. I just noticed this. Mm. I never really caught it, but it was one of my favorite transitions. And it's very subtle, but it it's very it makes the scene it makes it it makes the transition flow easily. It's when they're about to perform their first gig. Right with Crash and the Boys. Mm. Is that girl a boy too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when they're about to perform, when Knives shows up, and Scott, like Ramona and Knives, are standing right next to each other, and it's everything's in slow motion. Right, he's str- Scott is stressing out. He he's scared. He's getting scared that he's gonna get caught. That he he doesn't want Ramona to know that he's dating Knives, and he doesn't want Knives to know that he's hitting on Ramona. So time slows down and you hear this and because we've seen movies before we perceive that as oh that's his heart racing it even says in the subtitles heart racing right he's getting nervous so his heart his heart is beating faster duh but it's funny because when because when he says he needs to leave and time picks back up again that sound cue is still happening, but it's not coming from his heart. It's coming from the guy tapping on the microphone. Like how you tap on a microphone before you speak in it to check that it's yeah. on. And it's mm-hmm. the announcer announcing the, the battle starting. Oh, and this is Knives. Hey! Hey! <laughs> so, do you like? Well, I, uh... It's so super, good. super subtle. You, I, I've seen the movie five times. I could never catch it. But once you notice it, this is how... And he's constantly doing this. This is how he transitions between scenes. So the movie seems seamless and it's paced properly. So proper. So good. Like, the first fight happens 30 minutes into the movie. 30 minutes in? 30 minutes in is when Matthew Patel shows up. It, but like so the movie, like it minutes. doesn't seem like 30 minutes. And I feel like that has a yeah. lot to do with how good the characters are. Like Wallace mm-hmm. calling um, Scott's sister, telling him that he's dating a high school girl. And just all the comedy all around that. <laughs> it's so funny. It's a great. It's, it's so great. No, this so movie good. overall is incredible. I still love it so fun mm-hmm. to watch it seems like adrian i i think it's less of a mixed bag and more of like you enjoy it but you've got some things where it's like yeah uh, it's just hard because part of me wants to look past like the um the microaggressions and scott okay. dating a 17 year old but yeah i i'm just like torn between because i love all the references i love all the comedy but the other side is just like, mm, he's kind of creepy and also a piece of shit for cheating. But there's Absolutely. also a lot yep. of cheating going on in the movie. 
um, mm-hmm. with Wallace and Jimmy. Well, I think well, they're not really. I don't think it's really cheating because you see them all in bed together. Oh, I think yeah. maybe he has a poly, polyamorous kind of situation going on. No, yeah. I Honestly, that back, uh, here's true. the thing though. Maybe that's the case. I could also imagine just straight up. I could see. I can imagine Wallace cheating. I could, or I could be. <laughs> I could definitely see him being the guy where it's like, we only had sex. Why are you making a big deal about it? I could totally see him. Seeing, I could totally see him being that kind of guy. Too. Well, yeah, he has a line when he was telling him to like break up with knives. He's like, no, and he's like, well, what about you and Jimmy? And he's like, oh, I'm gay. Like, there's different rules. <laughs> I didn't write the gay rule book. Yeah, take it up yeah. with Liberace's ghost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, <laughs> I didn't know who Liberace was when this when the movie came out, and now I do it. It's like, oh, that line means differently. Okay, I see what you're saying, though. There and there are some things that, uh, yeah, man. Scott's seventeen year old girlfriend is like, ugh. I think they circumvented it just barely. But what do you um, mean by circumvented it? They, I think it. I think that storyline could have aged a lot worse. If the mm-hmm. film weren't aw- self more, if the film weren't self aware at how creepy that storyline is, or like if his friends had been like, "Oh my god, that's so cool," you know what I mean? Like if they were glorifying him, or you know, if yeah. um, they actually had slept together, which I feel other movies have done. Yeah, but this movie it's not doesn't do that, so it it kind of just barely gets by on that, but it is still a weird thing. Yeah, but, ah, man. Just doing all the research on the movie and finding all these cool things about it, I'm just like, man. It's great. It's so good. It's so good. And I just love the nostalgic feeling, too. It seems like everyone's having fun on the movie, too. Yeah. Like, everyone's having a lot of fun playing these characters, these outrageous characters (laughs) that all have, like, really funny lines. They do. Yeah, let's move on to quotes. So this is the part of the episode where we talk about the quotes that best summarize how we feel about the movie. George, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I, and like I always do this, so I, it shouldn't be surprising. I usually just pick quotes that like stick with me for a while uh, instead of summarizing how I feel about the movie. Sometimes I'll do that, but this movie in particular, there's one line and the way it's delivered that has stuck with me ever since I've first seen this movie. And it's one of my favorite lines. It's not even the funniest, but it's just stuck with me the most. And it's when Scott's at the party and Ramona leaves. And he's talking to people at the party about Ramona, trying to learn more about her. And some guy's like, she's on another level. And (laughs) it's not that line. It's not that line that's funny. The one that stuck with me was when the guy was like, she's got some battle scars, dude. (laughs) That line... (laughs) I could, I could, here's the thing, Austin, if you quoted that line to me like 10 years from now, I'd be like, why are you quoting Scott Pilgrim? Like, I know where that, like, I cannot not know where that line comes from. I love how that line comes back when he's think he realizes about the seven evil exes and you can hear it. Like, I don't know why it just stuck with me for so long. I, I always get excited when that scene's coming up. I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> so that's my favorite. That's my quote. Adrian? No worries. Okay. The, oh, there's, it's hard because there's some lines that I watched this time and they really hit harder. Uh, like the, when I feel like getting blazed in the back of my Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. And, and then there's this other one that 
that I forgot about. I forgot about this movie. Um, they're they're gonna. It's after a date with Ramona. Scott is telling Wallace what happened, and it's uh, his boyfriends are like, "Why why didn't you have sex with her?" And he's like, well, "I couldn't stop thinking about my stupid ex girlfriend." And then like Jimmy's like, "Is that the one with Uma Thurman?" <laughs> I didn't get that line. My my super ex girlfriend is that a movie? Yes, it's 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 a I didn't Uma, catch Uma that one. plays like a. Oh, I've never I've, seen it. I've seen it. It was Eddie Izzard is in it as well. Who was oh, in, really? okay. in um, Velvet Goldmine. Dang! But, oh yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to mention. <sighs> I'm I'm so sorry, but I want because you guys always bring up Star Wars, and I know I already told Austin this. Oh, oh my god, we oh my god, we didn't I, bring up Star no, Wars. I'm about to, George, and it's gonna blow your fucking mind. Okay. Okay. Ramona Flowers, okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi just had a baby together. <gasps> oh um <laughs> I think I heard about this. I know they were dating yes. for a while. They're having a child. They have a child. Oh wow. Okay. Oh, that's cute. So I guess it didn't work out with Scott then. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, you got if your choices are Scott Pilgrim or Obi Wan Kenobi. You going Obi Wan Kenobi? You gotta go Obi, especially if it's you and McGregor. Yeah. Oh, and holy shit! I forgot we hadn't mentioned Star Wars once in this episode. It would have been our first. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I wouldn't Thanks, let that Adrian. happen. You're welcome. George. Not on her watch. Not on my that, watch. That's a not on my watch. <laughs> good way to bring that in. So there's a lot of funny lines in this movie, right? But I think the one that like sticks out that summarizes my feelings about the movie best is when um wallace hands lucas lee the skateboard so that he can do the trick and he says hi big fan and lucas lee kind of looks towards camera and goes why wouldn't you be (laughs) okay little story about that when edgar wallace i mean edgar wright wanted to have chris evans on he was like yeah i'm a big fan chris evans actually said why wouldn't you be and that's why it's in the movie that's why it's in the fucking movie i shit you not oh 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 my god that's so funny this was edgar wright's fanfic between him and edgar wright (laughs) and him and chris evans when i was when i was about to watch this movie and I remember watching this with your cousins, and I'm like, what's a vegan? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if they explained it to me, but this one just stuck with me, like, the whole fucking time. I was, oh, yeah. Is it okay if I, like, swear on here? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. fine. Okay. Um, I remember watching it, and, like, the whole time, I just remembered, wait, chicken parmesan isn't vegan? <laughs> <laughs> chicken isn't vegan. Chicken isn't vegan? Uh... That, that, that's my line. I just... And I love chicken parmesan, and it's always stuck with me. It's a great line for a funny scene. It really is. Yeah. Th- this is a fun episode. Thank you for coming on, fun. Adrian. I, I had so Thanks much so fun, much. and I'm a huge fan. So this was oh, this is really, really dope. Why wouldn't you be? You know what, George? Just for that? I don't know where I was going with that, but fuck you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, Never mind. You- Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of something. (laughs) Damn it, Austin. (laughs) But yes, thank you so much for having me. I had an amazing time revisiting this movie and just talking with you guys. It's, It's been a blast.
thank you yeah thanks for because man you dropped some knowledge about this movie mm-hmm. you and austin i felt very much like the student just like <laughs> educate me in the ways of scott pilgrim yeah Neil um yeah and to our viewers man yeah neil jesus christ neil young uh and to our viewers yeah please check out scott pilgrim it's on netflix you already have netflix and it's less than two hours so just do it what are you gonna do rewatch the office again jesus christ (laughs) or you know somebody who has netflix oh yeah well here's the thing everyone either has netflix or knows someone who has netflix and you have their password so just watch it that's all the time we have for today uh Thank you for listening to us. If you haven't already, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at retrograde underscore pod. We are on Facebook. We'll be on TikTok soon. Um, If you like this episode, if you like this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you would give us five stars on the Apple podcast. So it would help other people find the show and everything. Recommend it to a friend. Share our little videos with people. Like, hey, aren't these guys funny? If you think we're funny. <laughs> if you don't think we're funny, then Why wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep running that quote down. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep. I feel yeah. like that's a perfect line for you too, George. You cocky cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this fits a little too well. Uh, <laughs> segue right. ending Segway. theme song <laughs> bye bye